G'day, this is Mark Pesci, and welcome to Series 10 of This Week in Startups Australia. In Series 10, Twista has a singular focus. We're identifying and sharing the story of Australia's world-changing startups. The startups, when they go from zero to one, really do change the world. And not just the startups, but the founders and the investors. Australia is stepping up with some of our brightest sparks working hard to change the world. They come from fields as diverse as agriculture, housing, energy, and investing. These startups at scale truly will change the world. Who's next on our list? Find out in this episode of This Week in Startups Australia. This Week in Startups Australia is sponsored by User Testing. With User Testing, you'll understand it from your customer's perspective. Get real-time feedback real fast. Put yourself in your customer's shoes. Visit usertesting.com slash twista for a free trial. User Testing, real human insight. This Week in Startups Australia is also sponsored by Zendesk. Zendesk helps startups build lasting customer experiences from the ground up with the Zendesk for Startups program. Learn more at zendesk.com slash twista. This Week in Startups Australia is sponsored by Our Crowd. Our crowd finds companies with the greatest growth potential and brings them to you. They believe in their deals and they invest in them too. Join the fastest growing venture capital investment community at ourcrowd.com slash Australia. Before we introduce our ninth world-changing startup, let's review the four metrics against which we have measured all of them. Metric one, an idea that actually makes the world better. Metric two, it's within the realm of scientific and technical achievability. Metric three, it is economically rational. That means there's a business model. Metric four, there is manageable execution risk. We've been asking guests on all the new specials in Series 10 of Twista about their selections for world-changing startups. Annie Parker just suggested one that I hadn't thought of, though I had heard of it before. In December of 2021, I went to a meeting of Sydney startup entrepreneurs, old-timers, folks like me. We were catching up after a long, hard lockdown, and during that lockdown, Cheryl Mack had been very busy solving a big problem, angel investing. But it's probably best if we let Cheryl explain it. Cheryl, welcome back to Twista. (laughs) So, all right. What is the problem that you have set out to solve and how is that going to change the world? So the problem is that in countries like Australia, where the fintech environment is heavily regulated, co-investing as an angel investor is incredibly hard. And we are setting out to solve that because for two reasons, I think there are two reasons this will change the world. One is democratizing access to this asset class, um, allowing more people to invest in the venture economy uh, will give access to people that may not be able to access this otherwise and thus reduce the income and wealth gap. All right, let's step back. Why is it incredibly hard? What what are the roadblocks here? So in terms of co-investing, there are a number of ways that co-investing can happen. Um, one is two people to bo- both decide invest, to invest in a company right. and they both give that company money and they both go on the startup's shareholder registry. Yeah. They could also decide to do so through an equity crowdfunding campaign where... Uh, 
several people decide to invest via a platform like Virtual Equitize, um, in that instance, they all go on the shareholders' uh, registry as well. But they go on as individuals. They go on as individuals, And that's yes. a problem if there's more than 20, correct? So in Australia, there are rules. Um, again, coming back to a heavily <laughs> regulated financial uh, environment, in Australia, there are rules um, where you can't have more than 50 shareholders. Otherwise, you become an unlisted public company. Um, and that requires a whole bunch of extra stuff. Um, now, the equity crowdfunding rules have made it so that it is possible to do that and, and have, you know, 300 people on your cap table and still be um, under that requirement based on the equity crowdfunding rules. But it still creates a whole bunch of other problems. Um, and it does require a whole bunch of disclosures for um, the types of investors that go through that. So I do think that it has its place. But there's another co-investing that I'm talking about, which is if you and I are both angel investors and we both want to write a check into a startup, but maybe we don't want to put a lot of our capital at risk and so we want to pool our money together into one check and hand that to the startup. That way the startup gets the benefit of the expertise of both of us, but not the admin of having many people. And only one entry on the cap table. Correct. So uh, let me jump to the, my. are you forming an an LLC or an LP out of that group of people who then become the investor? So an LLC is a U.S. term. Sorry. <laughs> uh, in Australia, we don't have that. We we have PTYLTD. Yeah. We also have a trust structure. Okay. Yep. Uh, and so the, the, the typical way uh, that investors typically co-invest together is via a trust structure. Um, however, trust structures in Australia are often... Uh, expensive to set up. Right. And also expensive to maintain. You have to do a tax return for it every year. Um, and it's not as simple as the tax return that they, you know, you do for your personal expenses where they show up on the portal every year. Like, trust tax returns have to be done by mail. What? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. So it's, it's, there are some rather old school things and there are different rules about tax and trust, right? There are lots of different rules about tax and trust, and I'm not a, yeah. uh, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a tax advisor, I'm not an advisor of any kind, so I'm not going to get into that. Uh, but there are benefits to facilitating the pooling of capital from angel investors and being able to put that into a startup as one entity. And that's the challenge that we're solving. That's, the, that's what we're addressing so that we can create that accessibility for angels, but also so that we can address the funding gap. Because in Australia and a number of other countries, we still have a funding gap at the pre-seed stage. It's getting better, absolutely, but it's not there yet. And the funny thing is, is it looks like we were on our way to solving it. And then the startups got big and we managed to solve it for much larger companies, which is where you remember five years ago, we had a tremendous problem. Like every company had to go overseas for a series B or a mezzanine route. They don't have to do that anymore. But now the underserved segment is these little startups. Oftentimes they're not even little, like they've got great traction, but we're still seeing this gap at the pre-seed stage. We have very few true pre-seed funds. And even fewer angel investors who are truly investing at that pre-seed stage comparatively to our overseas counterparts. All right. So that's the need. You've, ident you've identified the need. The need is clear. How, what are the mechanics behind what Aussie Angels is doing to actually solve that? So a number of things. Uh, one is, in general, what we're doing is providing a way for angel investors to find and follow leading investors and co-invest alongside them okay. so that they can get access to their expertise. Um, it's called, you know, following people that you trust and they can put their checks in alongside theirs. 
Um, it allows them to write smaller checks. It also allows them to get an understanding and start to learn from these more experienced investors. On a technical like level, like how are we making this work? Um, using a platform that allows this process to be streamlined yeah. uh, and a number of automations that uh, we're, we're essentially taking what used to be done via PDFs or even paper forms um, and a lot of like back and forth on email and created a really smooth, transparent, um, almost enjoyable uh, process for investors. Like we've taken the, the typical 50-page IM that has a ton of legalese and really distilled it down into something that investors like to read called the deal note. And to come back to the introduction, this is the part that you were nutting out when we were all locked down last year, right? Yeah, this started, um, you know, I started working on this kind of concept over a year ago uh, with a number of people who had approached me saying, you know, Cheryl, what are you investing in? I'd love to invest alongside you. I'd love to, um, you know, how, how do I get in on what you're investing? And, and I thought, okay, cool. Like, uh, this should be easy enough. I'll start an angel syndicate. That way people can put their checks in alongside mine. My capital gets amplified and the startup wins because they get a bigger check and all of these helpful angels. Uh, but I set out to start my own syndicate and realized how difficult, time-consuming, and importantly, expensive it was. Uh, and once I realized that, I thought, well, if I'm going to build it for me, I could actually spend just a little bit of extra time, money, and effort uh, and build it for everyone and so that anyone else can use what I've, what I've built to start their own syndicate. And that was what you were so excited about when I saw you in December because you had kind of just finished this. So you're like, ah, it's going to work for everyone. <laughs> yeah. So, Okay. So here we are now, right? We have an answer to what the problem is. It's not so much, there are some technology smoothings, but the other side of this sounds like it's also being able to bring in those trusted investors so that you can then have the pull to bring in other investors behind them. So how do you do that? It's largely been my network, honestly. <laughs> and the you have thing... a good network, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> Thank you, yes. The funny thing was when, when I, you know, probably back around November, December, I was thinking, oh, it'll be cool if like three or four people want to launch with me. You know, I'm going to launch my own syndicate. I built this platform for others to use. Wouldn't it be awesome if like, you know, three other people wanted to launch their syndicate at the same time as mine? Um, when we launched, we had six. And so... And that was basically the six people that I knew in my network who were experienced angels, who had a good network of investors, who had great access to deal flow. And I said, hey, you know, would you, would, have you ever thought about running a syndicate? I'm going to start one and I've built this and there's no upfront cost. So you don't have to shell out fifty dollars to $100,000. We'll do this together. Uh, and they all did. And, and since then, we've, we've now got 23 uh, syndicates operating on Aussie Angels. So... I, the demand is there. Um, and these are people that I like, you know, for the first couple months, it was people that I reached out to that I saw had really great networks who were already making investments, um, who had experience in the space, who had great access to deal flow. Um, and then they started coming to me. All right. And now I just bet them when they come in and I go, cool, tell me about your deal flow. Tell me about your network of investors. Tell me about your thesis for investing. Um, when they come up with a thesis, it's, it's largely like starting a fund um, because they share what they're, what areas they're investing in, what their approaches, what their, um, how they evaluate a startup. So for each of these 23, then, there's a different set of priorities, goals, abilities to be able to judge. So does that mean in some sense that you're kind of I wouldn't call it a supermarket, of, <laughs> but you have a very broad, like I could come in and go, oh, this person has the same 
passions that I do, but they're much more uh, strategically invested, so I should be able to follow them. So does that mean you basically have something for everyone who's coming in the door now? Absolutely. Uh, so we have a directory of the syndicates that are available to join. Um, so if you go to aussieangels.com slash syndicates, you can see each of the profiles of the syndicate leads. And that will list things like, uh, you know, what areas they invest in. So sectors like fintech or health tech. Uh, it will also list stages. So like pre-seed, seed, series A. Um, and we have a number of different ones. So we have one that's dedicated to uh, Web3 and crypto. Uh, we have two climate tech focused ones. We have one that's focused on the UN uh, SDGs, 17 uh, Sustainable Development Goals. Um, And so each one kind of has their own thesis, mandate, sectors they invest in. And investors can go to that list, read through their profiles, read about the team members, and essentially decide to join which ones resonate with them. And the sector lead is getting the amplification out of this, right? So in other words, it's working for them as well. Is it more work for them, or is it really just the same amount of work, but there's a whole bunch of people who are there to help? It's definitely more work. Like, (laughs) being a syndicate lead, um, well, so when you decide to be an angel investor, right, Um, depending on how much work you want to do with that, you could either just meet a company, say, screw it, take my money, write a check, sign the doc, walk away, right? Very low effort. Um, as an individual angel, you could do that, or you could put a ton of effort into doing a lot of um, research and like meeting with the founder many times and uh, doing a whole bunch of DD. Uh, so depending on like what type of angel investor you are to start with, it depends on how much work you might need to do as a syndicate lead. But essentially, you're doing the same processes. You're finding a company that you think is worth investing in, and, and syndicate leads always invest in the company that they put out to their syndicate members. So the first step is they find a company that they're like, I'm so excited about this company, I'm investing in it. The next step is I'm gonna write up the notes on why I'm investing in this company. The third step is I'm gonna share these notes with all of my syndicate members. And anyone who reads those notes and goes, wow, I'm totally into this as well, I would like to put my check in alongside yours can say, cool, I want to also invest 10K alongside your however much you're investing. And that's not miles away from what we would think of as a normal due diligence practice practice before you're making an investment. Yeah, absolutely. Not at all. Like it, it's, it's very similar in that sense. Um, there's a bit more work in terms of uh, writing up the notes in a diligenced way, like, you know, yeah. the deal note contains, like, what's the problem? What's the solution? What's the opportunity? What's the market size? What's the, Which you is know, what we're going <laughs> through here today. All exactly. right. You're listening to This Week in Startups Australia. We're talking to Cheryl Mack about Aussie Angels, and we will be right back. Experience what your customer experiences with user testing. Whether you're launching a new product, prototype, or marketing campaign, you'll get video feedback straight from the people you want to reach most. The user testing human insight platform lets you understand it all from their perspective, and it allows you to target your exact audience, ask any question or request to perform tasks, and most valuably, get a window into their world. Unlike focus groups, which can take weeks or even months to deliver results with user testing, you get to see real reactions and hear real opinions really fast, in real time, at the speed business demands. Very quickly, you get insights into what's working and what's not, so you can adjust your message, refine your UI, and understand exactly how your people are responding to and interacting with your product, service, or brand. The result? You 
feel what your customer feels so you can build the best experience imaginable. For a free trial, visit usertesting.com slash twista. User testing, real human insight. And we're back talking to Aussie Angels founder Cheryl Mack. Now, Cheryl, take us through the market for Aussie Angels. We're, are we talking only about sophisticated investors here? Or have we changed the game? Now, the interesting thing is, in prep for this, reading the Australian Fin Review this morning, a report came up from Credit, Credit Suisse overnight. I don't know if you saw it. Australia is, per capita, the richest nation in the world. A lot of that's real estate wealth. But nonetheless, both median, I think in the median we're fourth, and in the, um, what's the other thing? Uh, uh, we're, actually, we're actually the highest. But Australia has 2.2 million millionaires. And according to Visual Capitalist, uh, Australia is expected to receive another 3,500 millionaires migrating to Australia this year. This year. Okay. So talk to me about your market. How do you reach <laughs> the people that you should be reaching to actually get them to be part of Aussie Angels? Yeah. So uh, Aussie Angels is designed specifically for wholesale investors. Um, there is a slight difference between sophisticated versus wholesale. Which is... Uh, you, there are three ways that you can be wholesale, um, but the, the main way is the sophisticated investor All test. Right. So we can focus um, primarily on that one. Um, but Aussie Angels is designed for wholesale investors, not retail investors, is the main point. Um, and so in Australia, there are 3.3 million Australians that could qualify as sophisticated investors. That's about 16% of the population, which is a huge amount. And when you're talking about the adult population, it's probably 20, like, you're going to take sort of everyone over 20 or 25. You're talking really, because that's probably the people who have this kind of money. That's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. Right. Now, I, I will be the first to point out that there is a huge argument that's, that says essentially uh, there are a number of people in that 3.3 million that arguably shouldn't be included in this sophisticated investor sure. category because they only qualify because of the asset value of their house. Yeah. Um, those aren't the people that we are targeting. The people we are targeting are often uh, high-income earners who have a decent amount of disposable income, who have worked in or around the tech or financial space. Uh, so, for example, um, you know, senior executives at Atlassian, Google, uh, Microsoft, and so on. Uh, also, lots of lawyers and accountants and bankers. Absolutely, and, and these are people that have very smart and sometimes specific skill sets that can be incredibly helpful for startups, not throughout their entire journey, but for a particular challenge that they might be having at a particular instant in time. Sure. And these are people that also are looking at the world and going, what do I want to see in the future? Where do I want to learn, uh, have my kids be employed? Um, what are the challenges that I would like to see solved in my lifetime? And how do I help achieve that? So this is a real pitch not just to, okay, you're going to have more dollars in the bank, ideally, but to the fact that, again, back to the world-changing aspect, that you're giving people the capacity to put their energy behind something that they believe will make the world better. Absolutely, yes. Look, if, if the sole goal of angel investing was to get rich, there are much 
less time consuming and much more efficient ways of doing that. Okay. Yes. No. Granted, <laughs> there are. You could just park your money in a good super fund or whatever. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like throw yeah. throw it at an ETF or a wealth manager. Absolutely. Like angel investing is, is, you know, we call angel investing a team sport because it's better done in a collaborative way. Um, and a recent report from um, Cut Through Venture noted that 92% of angels participated in one group or another, some kind of network or collaboration. So really it's, a, you know, and you can get 10% of any sample to agree to anything. Like those are the people who are over in the corner. Really everyone who is angel investing is doing it because they want to be part of a team. I think because they want to be part of the future. All right, fair and enough. Doing, and doing so in a team yeah. is the most efficient and effective way of doing that. Yeah. All right. Okay. How, how do you reach these folks now, right? That's the question. You, you know that they're out there. There's a lot of them. I mean, we're... Come on shows like yours. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So to all the lawyers and bankers and financial types who are listening to the show... You already have the details. Okay, you do that. Are there other natural channels for that? And I guess the question then is, if we've identified the total addressable market here, how do you start nibbling away at that? So there are a number of uh, categories of investors that are natural uh, for syndicate leads to, to essentially lead an angel syndicate. The first is the experienced angel investor. So someone who's been investing for a while, they, again, have great access to deal flow, great network of investors, and just want to level up and get a little bit rewarded for their efforts of bringing that deal flow to their network. Um, the next is incubators and accelerators. So incubators and accelerators naturally have access to great deal flow, a network of mentors and investors, and they just simply don't have a channel to facilitate that pooling of capital from their community into the companies. There are like hundreds of incubators, accelerators, founder programs in Australia alone, not to mention other countries. Um, the other next one is uh, angel groups. So there are many informal angel groups that come together and, and they form naturally. Uh, or they form in a more formal way. But essentially, these are these are people coming together to collaborate, share deal flow, support each other, trade notes. Um, and often, again, they, they want to de-risk their money by pooling it together so that they can write slightly smaller checks. Um, because for the founders, it doesn't make sense for them to accept, say, you know, at the very earliest stages, less than a $25,000 check, right? So if you wanted to invest any less than that so you could build a portfolio of 10, 20, 40 startups, then you may want to reduce your check size. Okay. All right. Does this model scale, not just here in Australia, but say to New Zealand or to Singapore, or are the regulatory differences so different that it doesn't work? Uh, so there are other countries that have a uh, fintech environment that is also heavily regulated that makes sense for this model. If we can build this, and as we are building this fit for purpose for this environment, um, scaling to places like New Zealand and Singapore absolutely makes sense and, and are on our roadmap. Um, Scaling to places like the U.S., not so much. What about Canada? <laughs> Canada kind of sits in between, actually. Um, Canada's an interesting one. Listeners, Cheryl is a Canadian, which is why I'm saying this. <laughs> I would love to. I would love to. Um, Canada is largely served by the U.S. market at this stage. I, again, they kind of sit in the middle um, in terms of their financial environment. Um, so I think for us, the focus is on these heavily regulated markets, which is also New Zealand and Singapore. Right. Okay. All right. So there is a chance to be able to go global on this. There's 
the beginnings of being able to get the virtuous cycle of people coming in with deal flow. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about the possibilities of where things will go wrong. What are the problems? What are the actual existential crises, particularly now with investing? But also, what are the execution risks? And we're talking to Cheryl Mack. We'll be right back on This Week in Startups Australia. The fastest growing companies have great products and great customer service. You build the great product and Zendesk will help you build great customer experiences that make your customers come back, just like Jason Calacanis. Jason has a public obsession with amazing customer service and relies on Zendesk for his launch syndicate. Jason's limited partners use Zendesk to reach out to him about each of his deals. Zendesk also handles inbound inquiries from startups looking for investors. Zendesk helps Jason provide the kind of customer service he demands. Apply for the Zendesk for Startups program to get their industry-leading customer service software free for six months. You'll also get access to Zendesk's community of startup founders and partners, plus dedicated onboarding guidance and support. Zendesk has everything you need to deliver the amazing customer experiences that will make your product a success. To learn more about Zendesk for Startups, visit Zendesk.com slash Twista. We're back with Aussie Angels, world-changing startup founder, Cheryl Mack. Cheryl, let's talk about execution risk. All right, investing is very heavily regulated. I think probably after gambling, it is the second most regulated area in the economy. How do you manage that, and how do you manage it without falling afoul of a regulator? Well, I mean, <laughs> having a really good CFO for one and compliance uh, compliance team that makes sure that we, we stay within uh, the rules that are set under ASIC. Um, but in general, we're, we're making sure that we're focusing on our audience, which is wholesale investors or sophisticated investors. Um, this negates the need for a public disclosure document um, and assumes that the investor has the ability to make an assessment as to whether that financial product is right for them. Um, on our side, we're doing our best to educate angel investors and really be the, the first place. Like if you want to write your first angel check, Aussie Angels is the place to come because we provide a lot of that framework around here's everything that you might want to know about this company. You, you're making your own decisions, so you're still able to learn and, and make decisions on your own. Um, but we're providing experienced angels for you to follow alongside. And we're providing a lot of the information that typically, like with a VC fund, they're not sharing their um, notes from their investment committee meetings. Um, we are. The syndicate leads on the platform are sharing their notes. So you can learn at the same time. So in terms of the regulatory risk, it's it's making sure that we have our right policies in place. You know, we do KYC, Know Your Customer. We do AML, anti-money laundering. Um, we do all of the checks that are required. People can invest via their trust or their company or as individuals, and we do checks on all of those things. Um, I could probably go on about all of the checks that we do, um, but it, it's, it's pretty well set out in, in terms of what needs to be done. What's unique about what we're doing is that we're making that process smooth and seamless for the investors so that we can do all of the checks that we need to do while still creating a really great experience for the investor online. 
And is there any execution risk about ASIC, APRA, Oztrack changing their mind about something very suddenly? Because that has historically, I mean, over the period of time of Twista, we have seen that happen. So is there manageable risk around that as well? There is absolutely risk around that. Um, I do believe it is manageable. Uh, there, there are regulations that are in place that allow us to do things. There are regulations that are in place that allow us that don't allow us to do particular things. Um, each of those particular areas we keep very close watch on. Uh, and at this stage, there isn't anything that barring them saying, you know, barring ASIC saying, I, you, you can't know, do this, this at all. You can't do this at all. Um, there's very, very little chance for the this to be actually be able to be shut down. We we may need to do more processes. We may need to adjust particular areas. They may change the sophisticated investor test and raise the limit. Um, so that is a risk, absolutely. Uh, but part of our strategy is around um, participating in the conversations and keeping in touch and and. Uh, in communication with Treasury around some of these things so that if there are changes, we are consulted. And the fact that you're doing your best to be compliant means you're less likely to run afoul of the regulator because the regulator tends to only regulate after there's been a train wreck of some sort. Correct, yes. All right. <laughs> then there's another question, which is, okay, you can do everything right. ASIC, Austrac, everyone can do everything right. The world as a whole right now there's a crappy investment environment. The indications are that it's going to get worse before it gets better, primarily because of inflation and rising interest rates, although there are other factors, supply chain disruptions. How does Aussie Angels weather a very uncertain investment environment? So I would actually disagree with you on that point. Uh, it is a crappy funding environment. If you are trying to raise a fund, raise money, get money from the public markets, yeah, not a great time. However, it's a fantastic investing environment. <laughs> if you look at what's happened over the last several decades, you know, we've gone through enough of these cycles throughout history to have a general sense of what goes on or what could be happening in terms of this cycle if we're going through an economic downturn, yep. right? And so if we look back at the last economic downturn, if you were investing as an angel investor between 08 and 2012, you were part of the greatest wealth creation in history. And so if we are, in fact, going through another economic downturn and we're at the very start of that, being able to deploy capital from now until over the next four years, arguably, is the best time to be doing so. And I, for one, as an angel investor, am hella excited about being part of this uh, potential next cycle of wealth creation. All right. Finally, what happens when Aussie Angels goes from zero to one? How does it change the landscape for investors? And how does it change the landscape for startups here in Australia? I mean, arguably, I think we've already gone from zero to one. Uh, over the last six months, we've closed 14 deals and deployed $3.1 in capital. Ah, oh, brilliant. Okay. And that capital has come from angel investors, often who are either writing their first checks or writing more checks than they would have been able to otherwise. And so this is money that is going into early stage startups that wouldn't have gone to them otherwise. So we are helping close that funding gap, we're helping deploy capital, and we're also helping to drive expertise to those companies. So arguably, we've already done zero to one, and uh, but what is, what is kind of the next one to 100 look like? Um, the vision I have is that every startup in Australia that, that goes through a funding, um, that goes, you know, uh, completes capital raising, 
goes through Aussie Angels at some point in their capital raising journey. Okay. Finally, there are going to be a lot of startups listening to this going, this sounds really good. How do they get in front of you? How do they get in front of Aussie Angels? So Aussie Angels itself is not a syndicate or a fund. Aussie Angels doesn't invest or make any decisions to invest. Aussie Angels is the platform that supports others to run their own angel syndicates or rolling funds. So the same way that any startup would approach a fund or an angel investor is the same way that they would approach some of the syndicate leads on Aussie Angels. Um, You would research them. You can go to the directory and see who they are, but go to their LinkedIn, uh, reach out to them, pitch them. You need to acquire, like you need to get a lead to agree to invest in you first, and then they'll offer it to, uh, agree to offer it to their syndicate members. So it doesn't make sense for startups to come directly to Aussie Angels. They would essentially go to the investors directly. Cheryl, it has been a complete pleasure having you on This Week in Startups Australia. Thank you very much for having me. Okay, let's get our scorecard out and grade Aussie Angels. Metric one, is it an idea that actually makes the world better? Well, yes, because if you are a small, struggling startup looking for that first round of capital, Cheryl's Aussie Angels has just made that a lot easier for you. It's also made that a lot easier for investors to be able to fund those companies. All right. Metric two, is it within the realm of scientific and technical achievability? Yes, it turns out actually this is more almost reg tech. You have to actually do the legal hard work. You have to do all of the documents. That's doable. Cheryl did that hard work, and now she has a resource that everyone can use in angel funding. Metric three, is it economically rational? Is there a business model? Well, if you're making an investment, you're always taking a risk, but at the same time, you're taking that risk because there is an expectation that the business itself is going to be economically rational. So big tick there as well. And finally, there's manageable execution risk. And there's, of course, two kinds of execution risk. One is the regulatory risk of getting the attention of APRA or Austrac or ASIC. Cheryl seems to be getting in front of that by engaging in conversation with the regulators. And then the second one is the ambient environment for investment, which, of course, is not great right now. But actually, at the same time, there's money looking for places to go because there's not a lot of yield in the stock market. And so it seems as though there's manageable execution risk. And because there are strong ticks in all of these categories, Aussie Angels is our ninth world-changing startup. We'll be right back. As rising interest rates, inflation, and global complexity throw stock markets into turmoil, savvy investors are turning to alternative investments. Our crowd makes it easy for you to diversify your investments into a variety of expertly vetted high-growth private companies across stages, geography, and industries like biotech, cybersecurity, and renewable energy. Investments like these used to be reserved for elite institutional investors. But our crowd has helped sophisticated investors from over 90 countries invest in growing tech companies. Every month, our crowd vets hundreds of companies across the globe, then brings you a select few identified for their outsized growth potential. Our crowd backs these investments. They commit their own capital, and they leverage their relationships with multinational corporations and global investment leaders to help drive their portfolio companies' growth. Discover investment options beyond the stock market. Join the fastest-growing venture capital investment community in the world at ourcrowd.com slash Australia. That's ourcrowd.com slash Australia. Individual results may vary. There's no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. Invest wisely.
Big thanks to Twisted Sponsors, User Testing, Zendesk, and our crowd. Thanks to Cheryl Mack for coming on to our show. This show was written and produced by Mark Pesci and beautifully mixed by Luke Station. Come visit our website at thisweekinstartups.au. It's got everything. It's got all the shows, all the interviews, all the photos, and all the links to all the stories. So check it out at thisweekinstartups.au. Next week, we'll reveal our final world-changing startup. Who will it be? You'll have to listen to find out. Until then, this is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening.